that later and to think about what we're doing here together uh, this morning. Uh, no matter what's on your schedule for the rest of this week, and I, I do hope that at some point you will set time uh, aside to remember uh, both the, and honor the men and women who've given their, their life, their ultimate sacrifice in service to the country for some people. Remembering that, remembering um, a friend or a, mem- or a family member, a spouse, a son or a daughter, uh, it's not a once-a-year event. It's something that happens every day of your life. And for that, uh, we just want to say that, that we're with you, we remember with you, we're thankful with you, we mourn with you, and uh, you don't have to walk through that alone. Um, and so uh, we, we want to do that as a church, we want to do that together uh, as believers. Um, Memorial Day w- was... Uh, it originated during the Civil War. It was on May 30th, uh, and they decorated the graves of fallen soldiers. They honored uh, the dead of both the Union and Confederate armies. And by 1868, the practice of placing flowers on the graves of, of both the North and South uh, it was being called uh, by almost everyone Decoration Day at that time. And then after World War I, it became a nationally recognized memorial holiday when our country pauses to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we enjoy. We set aside, uh, as a nation, times like this weekend. We construct um, monuments like the World War II Memorial and, and uh, places you can go and you can visit. Uh, we have things like the Vietnam War Memorial, places like the USS Arizona Memorial, the Marine Corps Memorial, and, and many more. But we construct these memorials because we are forgetful people. Not only do we forget people's names, we forget uh, where we're going sometimes, we forget where we put our keys, but we forget the sacrifice of other people. And, and because we're forgetful people, we also tend to sometimes forget God and all that he has done for us. And I think that's why throughout the Bible, God's people are you know, encouraged to remember him. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 18, it, it, written to the Israelites, says this, Remember what the Lord your God did. Now, I'm not comparing what God has done for us to what we as humans have done to each other, but occasions like this give us an opportunity to remember. And so, for our time here this morning together, I want us to remember uh, what Christ has done for us. I want us to focus on what he has done for us through this subject as we look at communion together this morning. Communion. Eucharist, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. It's been called uh, a number of different things by a variety of different people. Jesus instituted this practice, and he's to be honored as we participate in it. Here at PCC, we participate in communion uh, every week. And one of the reasons we do that is because it's the, the practice that was modeled in the New Testament church. Acts 20, verse 7, for example, says, "...on the first day of the week we came together to break bread." 1 Corinthians 11.26 tells us that when it comes to communion, for whenever, or another version, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Worship is centered around Christ. Everything we do is centered around him, celebrating him, remembering him. So it's something we want to do whenever or as often as we gather together. I've heard the practice of participating in communion each week kind of defended this way. If a couple falls in love, once a week is not too often for them to spend time together, right? And to celebrate the relationship they have with each other. And the same can be true with communion. In fact, it can be that weekly reminder, if no other time, which it should be more often than that, but it's an opportunity for us to keep that relationship in the forefront of our minds and to be reminded 
of what Jesus has done for us. But that's not to say there's not some value in the way other traditions view and administer communion. Because one of the dangers we face in participating with communion every week is that we can become too familiar or it can become something that's just way too common for us. And it's supposed to be something that is sacred, something that is special. We can participate uh, with the Lord's Supper so often that that it's just something that we just kind of go through the motions. But I would suggest we need to be very aware of what this is about and what we are doing and what the Lord's Supper is supposed to mean to us. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is writing to the church uh, why Jesus established communion. What's the point? Uh, Now, the church at Corinth had a tradition or a practice of meeting together, and they would eat together prior to the worship service. It's, uh, I guess we could say it's the first church potluck dinner we have recorded for us. And they would do that every week. They would gather together. And not only did this provide an opportunity for the body of believers to come together and, and eat together, it also gave the opportunity for those who were wealthy to share their abundance with those who were poor. The reality was that this weekly meal may have been the best meal that many of the people, especially the slaves and laborers and unemployed, the best meal they had all week long. And so after they enjoyed a meal together, they would have a worship service together, which would also include communion. But over the course of time, as we get more, as humans get more involved in things, that which was intended to be beneficial turned out to be irreverent. It began to happen that the people that who were providing a majority of the meal, they didn't want to wait any longer for those laborers. Because those laborers, they were working all day, right? And when the people showed up, they were hungry. And so they're like, well, we're here, the food's here, let's go ahead and eat. And so they would just go ahead and eat. And then the people who had been working all day got there, and what was left over? Well, not much. They got the scraps. They got that which was left over. In addition to that happening, some people began arguing about who was really in charge of the church, and so they divided up into these different groups and segments, and they didn't interact with each other. Just kind of imagine a middle school or high school cafeteria, right? They're all doing their own little things, and they never talk to each other. In addition to that, we, we know that some people were overindulging in wine and becoming drink, drunk at these meals, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. You come to church for a church potluck social, you're doing your thing, and you drink so much you get drunk, and then you go to church just doesn't quite sound right, but that's what was happening. So the Apostle Paul wrote to them to say, whoa, 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 you guys need to think about what you're doing. You need to consider what is communion, why Jesus established this, and how it needs to be treated as something that is sacred. As believers, as followers of Christ, we need to take a a more significant look at this. And so Paul writes to them, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 17, He starts with these words. I invite you to follow along in your Bible, or the words will be there on the screen behind me. It says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I get the feeling that Paul is upset with the church at Corinth, or at the very least, he's frustrated with them. And after he expresses his displeasure, he instructs them as to why Jesus gave communion and why and how it is to be. And so I want to look at a few things that 
I think communion is to be, and, and something that I think we can apply to us as well as the truth of Scripture. The first thing is this. The Lord's Supper is to be a time to remember Christ's death. If you look at the next couple of verses, beginning in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. One of the things that is true about us is our memories fade over time, right? The the farther and farther we get from an event, the harder it is for us to remember that, at least the specifics of that event. I've also found that for me personally, as I get older, it's harder for me to remember things as well. You already know that I'm bad at remembering names. I had that conversation with someone already this morning. I've also recently discovered that I will be in one room, and I will get up and go to the next room. And when I get in that room, I've forgotten what it is or why I went into that room. Anybody else do that too? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm not the only one. I have to go back in the first room and and go back to what I was doing, and then, oh, yeah, and then, you know, start the process over again. If I don't put things in my calendar, I just forget them, right? And it's really bad when I don't put them in my calendar, and then someone's like, hey, are we still meeting? Yeah, I'm just running late, you know? (laughs) You know, I forgot I'm on my way. it's frustrating when that happens. The other day, it happened to me that I was getting ready to come to the office, and I was looking for my keys. And I went to the key holder where I always put them. They weren't there. I look on the counter. I look in my pocket. I go to my backpack. I go out to the truck to see if I, you know, left them in there overnight, only to realize I had them in this hand the whole time. I was, you know, I was doing all that, and they were in this hand. I was just like, you are an idiot, right? I, I'm sure that all of us have been embarrassed at some point or another by our failure to remember something. Your memory can fail you. And yet, we have to remember, don't we? I think that's one of the reasons we create monuments and memorials. Because without these tangible reminders, it's simply way too easy for us to forget. It's why we pause. It's why we take a moment to remember Because too often we just forget. I know there have been times in my life that I wish I could remember uh, everything. I've often thought, hey God, you created us. Why didn't you create us so that we could remember everything? But when I stop and really consider that, I think I'm thankful that I can't remember everything. Because I think it's a good thing we don't remember everything. We don't remember all the details. I, I think God created us intentionally that way. The memory of an accident or a loss was perfectly etched in our mind we we may never get back in the car we may never get over it we we may never get over the death of that loved one it it would probably be too hard if it didn't fade even slightly God knew that we would struggle with our memories we see in the Old Testament God establishing things for the people the Sabbath day he he celebrated this Passover celebration he reminded the people and told them to remember so that they could remember and celebrate that something significant happened in that place and at that time and Jesus established a memorial for us so that we would remember his death regardless of how much time has passed since that actual event 
The scripture says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're to remember his sacrifice, his forehead lacerated by the crown of thorns, his face bruised by being punched by the soldiers, his shoulders that carried the cross, his back ripped open, exposing flesh and probably bone from the scourging, his knees and elbows that that were probably skinned from falling beneath the weight of the cross, his hands and his feet that were pierced by the nails, the hole in his side from the spear. We are to take of the bread and we are to remember the sinless body that Jesus offered to each and every one of us. We're to remember. We're to remember his shed blood for us as well. Verse 25, in the same way after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. When you think about it, the Lord's Supper, communion, it's one of the most ingenious memorials ever established. It's so simple. Bread and juice, easily available to everybody. It's portable. You don't have to go to Jerusalem or to some cathedral. You can observe it anywhere. In the mountaintops, in the caves, in wilderness, in a gathering like this. It's it's easy to do. It's also very interactive. It's not something we just look at or think about. It's something we do. We know how important the senses are to us uh, as we learn. We, we tend to forget the things that we just hear, but with communion, all five senses are involved. We see it, we touch it, we smell it, we taste it, we even hear it as it's passed and as we partake of it. God, in his wisdom, he gave us something that is meaningful to remember so that we can remember. Which brings us to another reason. It's a time to remember his death. It's also a time to rejoice in our future. We remember that Jesus is coming again. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For me, it's hard for me to think about his death without immediately going to his life and to his resurrection. Because his death was not the end of the story. It was so significant. But it's really the beginning of the second half of the continuation of the story. It, it's part of the process it's it's so significant that we remember that yes he died but yes he's alive and his presence is with us and it's a reminder of our relationship with him a reminder that this life and the relationship we have with him will blend into eternity our relationship with him is designed to begin now and to begin growing so that it continues to grow until that moment when we meet him face to face we walk with him And he gives us hope for our future. And it's not just something that we look forward to. It's something that we're growing and we're building upon as we rejoice in what is to come. It's it's also a time to rededicate our lives. It's an opportunity for us to rededicate our lives. Uh, Verse 27 says, So then, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Paul says, examine yourselves. I I was thinking about this, and, and I think sometimes when we examine ourselves, we have reasons to celebrate. There are opportunities that we have to celebrate. Maybe in your life you've been more aware of his presence. You've been walking in his uh, resurrection. You've been doing those things and you're growing closer to him. We have, uh, maybe you can celebrate because as Micah 6.8 says, you've been acting justly. You've loved mercy. You've walked humbly with your God. You have this mindset of serving and looking for opportunities to make the most of those opportunities by helping other people. 
There are times when we examine our lives and we celebrate what God is doing through us in our life and in the lives of other people. And then there are other times that we examine ourselves and we realize that that we haven't been walking with the Lord. We need to be focused on Him. Instead, we've been focused on ourselves. We, we haven't been seeking the, the good of others. We haven't been aware of His presence. And when that is the case, when we examine ourselves and we find that, it, it's time to confess. It's time to lift that to the Lord, to ask and to seek His forgiveness, and to realize that He is forgiving us. He's welcoming us back into His presence. If you think about the night that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, who was around Him? His disciples, right? You've got Peter who would deny him, Judas who would betray him, Thomas who would doubt him, and all the rest who would leave and run away. And he said to all those people, what did he say? Do this in remembrance of me. He's saying, I I love you. This is my sacrifice. This is going to happen. Take, eat, drink, remember. But I really want to challenge you uh, with this morning as we examine ourselves is this idea of participating in communion in a worthy manner and not to do so in an unworthy manner. In fact, I want to suggest four situations where you might consider, and I'm going to suggest that you think about maybe not participating in communion, all right? These are not, thus saith the Lord. These are kind of, thus saith the Craig, as I kind of look at this, but it's just kind of a, a way of encouragement to, to help us do this in a, in a worthy manner. The first thing I would suggest, don't participate in communion if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior. Communion really is a reminder of the commitment to the relationship we've made with Christ. It's, it's a reminder of the decision we've made to walk with Him. And I, I want to encourage you to make that decision, to, to decide, I, I want Jesus as my Lord, I want Him as my Savior, to, to engage with Him and to walk in that relationship with Him and to celebrate that and to remember that as you examine yourself through communion. Parents, I think it's, it's a great opportunity for you to have a conversation with your children as to why communion is important and why maybe they shouldn't participate in communion until they have made that decision and they're old enough to make that. It's not just a snack. This is a special thing. This is a sacred time. It's significant. And there's a real reason why we do what we do. Another reason I, I want to suggest that maybe you don't participate is if you're not open to change. If you really don't want to examine your life, if it's not something you want to do, then just let the trades pass you by. I think communion is a time for genuine examination. It's time for repentance. It's a time to have your heart open to change. And it doesn't mean that you have to have everything right in your life and everything has to be perfect or we would never serve communion, right? But it's us being open to what God is talking to us and telling us and and being willing to change. Hebrews 10.26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, that no sacrifice for sins is left. And that's humbling. And that's sobering. And I would encourage you to not take communion if you have no intention of repenting or seeking to change or to walk in a relationship with the Lord. If you're just not going to, then, then just don't. Just let it pass you by. Third suggestion. Don't participate if you're not willing to forgive. There, there's, if there's something that's just really hard on your heart and if you're being bitter towards someone, you're holding a grudge, I would encourage you, first of all, I, I want to encourage you to start the process of that forgiveness. Start forgiving that person because it, it's hard to hold on to that if you're going to ask Christ to forgive you for your huge debt of sin. And, and that's tough. I, I, I get it. 
and yet it's part of it. It doesn't mean you have to be all the way through the process and everything's great with that person and all, you know, your best friends again. No. But if you're not willing to forgive them, if you're not willing to start the process, if you're not willing to seek forgiveness and reconciliation, then then just let communion pass you by. Jesus said this in in Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. And yes, I know that this is talking about a sacrifice and it's not the same thing, but I think the principle can apply. I think we can look at that and go, yeah, that makes sense that we shouldn't participate if that's the case. Last suggestion, you might consider not participating if you are irritated or if you're distracted. Um, My confession, I don't always take communion every Sunday morning here. I I just don't. There are times that I receive it, right? And as I'm trying, I just can't focus. I'm I'm not able to focus on what Christ did for me. I'm not able to do these things that, that we're talking about. Sometimes my brain is just like, okay, what's coming next? Am I ready for the, the offering meditation? Is that ready? Uh, is, uh, how are we doing on time? Is everybody going to get up and start walking out? How was the message? Did it make sense? Did it make a difference? Is anyone's life being changed? Uh, did I forget to say this? Did I really use that illustration? Did, I, all these different thoughts. I, I think about, oh, I did see such and such in the crowd, and I want to be sure to get, check with them before they leave to find out how that's going in their situation because we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, no, no, no. All those thoughts go away. But when my brain's going 100 miles an hour like that, and I just can't, I just choose not to participate. Communion is to be meaningful. It's it's to take concentration and focus. We need to be focused on the Lord. And and I just want to encourage you with that. And it's hard to do when your mind is consumed and cluttered with other things. And so we need to have the discipline to remove those things and to focus on Him and on Him alone. And sometimes that's easier than others. And so if you're fighting it, I encourage you to fight it. But if you just can't get there, then, then just don't participate. The last thing I want to suggest, communion, is to be, as a body of believers, it's a time for unity. Uh, in the previous chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, Paul says these words, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Paul makes it very clear that that this idea, this element, one of the elements of communion is that it's a time for us as believers to be together. Uh, There's a Greek word koinonia, and it's the same word used for fellowship, for community, for unity. It's It's the same word that we can use for communion. It's this idea of sharing and participating together. The Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, Eucharist, communion, it's, it's about unity. It's about being one in Christ. It's about laying aside the things that separate us. It's coming together for one purpose, to worship God. And, and we do that together as one in the spirit of Jesus Christ. It's something we are called to do together. Alexander Campbell, who was one of the founding fathers of the Restoration Movement, he said these words, Each disciple in handing the symbols to his fellow disciples, says, You, my brother, once an alien, are now a citizen of heaven. Once a stranger, are now brought home to the family of God. You have owned my Lord as your Lord, my people as your people. Under Jesus the Messiah, we are one. Mutually embracing, embraced in the everlasting arms, I embrace you and mine. 
Thy sorrows shall be my sorrows, thy joys my joys, joint debtors to the favor of God and the love of Jesus. We shall jointly suffer with him, that we may jointly reign with him. Let us then renew our strength, remember our king, and hold fast our boasted hope, unshaken to the end. There is something unifying and bonding when people take communion together. We've talked about this before, how it breaks down barriers, it tears down walls, it allows us, as we come from different backgrounds, from different experiences, we have different dreams and hopes and goals, but we can come together as one to participate in communion. Jesus promised us in Matthew chapter 20, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. He is here with us as we celebrate and as we sing, as we sing songs of praise, when we pray, when we read his word. He's with us when we take communion, when we take of the bread, and when we drink of the juice. So this morning, we want to focus in on what Christ has done for us, and we want to give everyone the opportunity to participate in communion. We want you to remember his death, to rejoice in the hope that we have because of his resurrection, to rededicate our lives and to participate in this together. And so, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to pass the trays, and I'm going to ask you, all of us together this morning, to take of the bread and to hold it and to take of the juice and hold it. And in just a moment, as a body of believers here together, we will participate in taking the bread and taking the juice together. So I'm going to invite the ushers to go ahead and come forward to pass the trays. You take of the emblems and you hold on to them, and and we'll take them together in just a moment.
Before we participate, let's pray together this morning. Father God, we, we thank you for this memorial that you've given to us. God, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your willingness to go to the cross, to give your life, to give us the hope of eternal life with you. God, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would give us the awareness of your presence, the desire to follow you each and every day of our life. Draw us closer together as we celebrate, as we remember you today. We thank you, Father. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you to take of the bread this time. Jesus also said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you to take of the juice. I invite you, church, to stand together. Let's sing a song as we worship the Lord together this morning.